filter in. Uh, I'm just going to do a really quick intro right here, um, and we're going to just dive right in. Uh, so I have uh, David Morrell and Nathan Singh from Greater Property Group, and they've got uh, some exciting uh, slides to show you. And then we're going to dive into a conversation right after. So I'll uh, pass this off to you, and here we go. Okay, so this is, this is going to be a little bit different from uh, the other presentations, because um, we're talking about real estate. So we're going to change the energy a little bit, because real estate is super fun. I'm sure you'd agree. Yes. Real estate is super fun. Uh, kind of a different um, uh, look at this whole thing in relation to who we are and what we do. Um, we've got a PowerPoint we want to get through uh, relatively fast. When we came in yesterday, there was a panel going on on the stage here, and um, we found that incredibly interesting. So the PowerPoint will try and fly through real quick, and we'll give you some context about who we are and why we're here, actually. Um, but you can't understand why we're here or what we're talking about uh, cryptocurrency in relation to real estate unless you understand who we are. So. That's us. We're the Greater Property Group. We're um, a company. Well, we'll get into our company bio here, uh, real quick. Um, this is our company bio. We're a national residential real estate brand, known for unique selling propositions, exceptional services, well-edited marketing and branding. Uh, you call us dissatisfied and discontented with the status quo. So what we do is we take a look at what the industry is doing as a whole, and then we go way over here. So that's why we're here today. Um, we, we are a brokerage, an Alberta brokerage, both in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, we're about six months old. Um, we used to believe, belong to a big box brand um, real estate company. Um, just to give you a little bit of background about that, is um, uh, real estate, as we know, is very regulated. Do you mind if I explore the space a little bit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, real estate's uh, regulated, right, in Alberta and in Canada. So you have to operate within those rules, and those rules state that any offers or unique selling propositions you make in relation to the public have to, right, Chris? Have to be uh, brokerage-wide offers, right? So an individual agent cannot offer something that the brokerage does not. So we took matters into our own hands, became an independent brokerage, and now we're able to make these unique selling propositions that we're very proud of. Um, so that's what we've been able to do. I'm just going to fly through these a little bit just to give you some context. Um, we believe this. We believe that money moves to difference, not similarity. Would you agree with that? Right? Money moves to difference, not similarity. Right? It'd be different, people will pay attention. So that's kind of what we're doing when it comes to uh, real estate, especially residential real estate. Nothing super fancy, this is residential real estate. Your mom and dad's house, your house, your friend's house, right? Um, that's what we do. Um, just to give you some context about our uh, unique selling propositions, our brand placements, uh, our one-day listing guarantee. You know, people are afraid of being locked into a long contract. We have a one-day listing guarantee. Um, the way that we actually advertise our unique selling propositions has caused a lot of noise, I guess you'd say. A lot of people pay attention to our branding and how we do it. The one-two free campaign, which we can get into. Just some more branding placements um, that the kids like, you know? The kids like. But in all honesty, uh, you know, um, people have taken note. They want to talk to us about what we're doing. It's a little bit different, probably, from what you're used to, right? Mom and Dad's uh, real estate brokerage, another branding placement. This is our Run GPG campaign. Uh, this is quite popular, so um, anybody born in the 70s or 80s? Yeah. Little run down seat, right? Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so if you'd like a t-shirt, let us know. We'll get your GPG t-shirt. Um, again, so coming back to our unique selling propositions, here's one. Uh, we'll see if this works. Uh, this is the type of advertising, again, just keep in mind, we'll get to the crypto stuff in a minute here, but this just gives you context for who we are and what we do. And hopefully this goes okay. Right? Four, three, four. You probably haven't seen a lot of that. 
buyers are flyers. It's working now. It's working. Our, our buyers are flyers, right? This was a campaign we ran that said, uh, uh, if you bought with us in the summer, we'd give you a $750 uh, WestJet voucher. Talking and yes, we did transactions off of this this campaign. In fact, we even put it on our baseball jersey. Um, yeah, so make real estate great again. We believed in that. We believed in making real estate great again through our unique selling propositions. This caused a stir. I'm telling you, man. You know, when you're wearing something that says "Make real estate great again," it gets a little bit of a laugh, but um, it does its job, right? Uh, so again, disruptive. And then we got incredibly disruptive. We opened our uh, speaking engagement in Lake Tahoe. Uh, recently with this. Uh, I'll just let this one play out. It speaks for itself. Well, for okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Do you have Say hello to my dear friend! serious too. Um, this, this is incredibly important. I want to point this out. Uh, we're one of only, who, how many have heard of Zillow? So, you know what Zillow is? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's number one um, real estate platform in the United States right now. It's a billion dollar company. Um, that's where people go. They don't go to the MLS. They go to Zillow.com. They estimate the value of their house. And then they contact a real estate company or a real estate agent after that. Okay. Uh, about a year or two ago, we heard rumblings that they may be coming to Canada. Well, it's here. They're coming to Canada. Um, we had talked to them, uh, what was it, maybe last three weeks? Four yeah, weeks, three weeks, three weeks. Went through a series of meetings with them. We're one of only seven brokerages in uh, Canada that is officially partnered with Zillow. One of only seven in Canada. As far as I know, we're the only one in Alberta, as far as I know. Um, we're small. We're, you know, we, we provide boutique service, right? We provide tremendous value to our clients, and, and um, they got the vision of what we were doing. Um, so we're one of only seven brokerages in Canada that have officially partnered with Zillow. So you'll see us on there if you want to, you know, added exposure to your your, your uh, listing, right? Uh, if you want to look for properties that are sometimes not available on the traditional MLS, want to go to Zillow, give us a call. Um, this was big for us. You know, this is this is serious. You know, add disruption aside, um, partnering with Zillow was a big deal. Um, well, that ended up everywhere that press release, which was really interesting. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll just give you the quote here. As a growing brokerage, a partnership with Zillow is a no-brainer uh, for us. It gives a, us another platform to bring our offers and incentives to our clients. The partnership fits nicely with our vision and concept of the future of real estate in Canada, and will benefit our agents 
And most importantly, our clients in the coming years. We believe that too, right? So uh, very, um, this is a very um, um, big partnership for us, right? And for our clients as well, so it's a big deal. Um, the big picture, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm kind of embarrassed the slides in here. We use this, it's just, it's describing what cryptocurrency is good for, so, you know. <laughs> you guys have been talking about that for two days, um, but we use this as kind of a flyover for people that want to understand how it relates to them in everyday life, okay? That's what it does, so I'm not gonna bore you with that. Um, the result of cryptocurrency, uh, using it as the world economy starts to do this and people are a little bit, you know, it's on shaky ground. I guess you could say the world economy is tepid at best. You know, we see what's happening, right? There's a lot of volatility. Um, but decentralized technologies will cause an enormous shift in the way assets are managed in the future, both at the commercial and retail level. Tokenization of assets will create borderless, trustless, 24-7 markets with global liquidity, which we'll talk about in one second here. Uh, smart contracts will replace many of the functions of traditional asset exchange markets, whether that be investment brokers, real estate brokers, agents, lawyers, or advisors. So as we know, um, you know, decentralization, all this type of stuff is going to change every industry related to real estate. How we look at it has to change, right? You have to zoom out, take a look at where things are going, and try and get ahead of it. And that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. Right? Let's talk about um, how it relates specifically to real estate. Um, I'll just read the slide real quick. Specifically as it relates to real estate, uh, assets, these technologies will eventually fill in the existing information and trust gap that requires agents, lawyers, inspectors, etc. to close. In the future, all relevant title and property information will be contained within an open source and decentralized smart contract platform. And closing a transaction will be as simple as a series of automated if and then functions. Right? So, everything as we know it uh, will go away when it comes to real estate. Eventually, eventually you might not even need a real estate agent. Right? Laws and regulations um, say that you need one, right? You have to, you need somebody to negotiate the deal and open the deal. Um, but if we can sell your home fast for top dollar with no hassle, we're gonna do that. You know, and as it relates to cryptocurrency, if we can do it in that form, we're gonna do it. So this community is really interesting because um, you know, getting feedback from people on what's, you know, I went to one of Jan's workshops there and I met a few people that uh, were in the industry itself and they, they talked about different regulations and laws and hoops you gotta jump through when it comes to this stuff. So, Slowly but surely, this is happening. We just want to be there when it does happen, right? Um, blockchain's role in the future of real estate. There's two key points here. The technological impact of blockchain on the industry and crypto transactions is a new category of real estate transaction with unique challenges, right? Technological impact of blockchain on the industry. So, uh, there's, as you know, or you, I'm just going to explore this space again. As you know, uh, real estate's changed a lot in the last few years, right? It's changed a lot. Um, especially in the last year. There's two things that are very significant when it comes to the change in um, the way real estate is handled, the way um, properties are transacted. Two things, one is tech technology, right? The advancement in technology, and the second thing is data. Data, so that's Zillow's big um, added bonus, right? They, they have all the data, right? You're giving it all up, right? You, you, you only no longer need to call an agent, find out what our neighbor's home sold for, right? It's all out there. Um, and so, how does that benefit you? Well, we're going to talk about that on the panel. Um, how is blockchain technology useful in the context of real estate currently? Well, it can uh, efficiently perform functions of many of the middlemen involved in an average real estate transaction currently and will most likely eventually enable a fully peer-to-peer -peer real estate market. Eventually, right? Eventually. So, again, we just want to be the ones that are there when it happens. Um, again, that, you know, that's how it talks about data. Sorry to, you know, bore you with these slides, but look at there. I want to get to the panel. Um, 
This is interesting, this is a very key point here. Uh, it can be used to tokenize ownership of an asset, can be equated to owning stock in a specific building or crowdfunding a real estate development, uh, will be an enormous application of blockchain, digitizing ownership of all asset classes. So how many have heard about the uh, uh, tokenization of real estate or fractional ownership? How many have heard about that? Yeah, this is really interesting stuff. We first heard the concept, that was about a year ago, hey? About a year ago, we first heard the concept of it, and there wasn't a lot of info on it, but now this stuff is starting to come out where we're finding about um, tokenized uh, real estate or fractional ownership, uh, the way Craig put it. You don't like You don't have um, You know, if I was in my underwear on a Saturday morning and I wanted to buy $500 worth of a brownstone in New York City, um, we could do it within five minutes. You know, that's the, that's the concept behind it, right? Does that make sense? Like the concept. So we've been in talks with a company named Hip Property uh, in the UK. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, if this works, it'd be fantastic. Uh, so I want you guys to pay attention to this video. Uh, they, they're going through the first few um, transactions, I believe, in the UK. Once they figured out all the laws and regulations there, uh, they've been talking to us about Canada. So let's let's play this video. HIP is a next-generation property finance platform, enabling a new level of financial freedom for buyers, owners and investors. HIP delivers solutions that allow property owners and investors to leverage the liquidity currently locked up in real estate. HIP rethinks the way that real estate assets are bought, sold, collateralized and interacted with. HIP will make property wealth more accessible by turning real estate equity and debt into tradable assets. For this, HIP has a unique FCA license to operate within the UK. We have coined the phrase property banking, meaning that if you own a building, you can create a property bank account with HIP. This allows you to access the equity as well as the debt in your building, creating financial freedom as users are able to fractionally sell their equity or fractionally increase their debt. For owners, this means you simply log on and instruct the platform to sell 10% of your building, releasing equity, or fractionally increase your debt. Your request is then made live on our trading exchange and becomes a commodity, allowing investors to buy those fractions and participate in the economic benefits of your assets, debt and equity. Investors are given the opportunity to participate in portfolio or product acquisitions, as opposed to investing in single properties, giving them the ability to invest regionally or on a preferential basis, offering flexibility to the investor and spreading risk. This is known as uncorrelated investment. How big is the opportunity? It's enormous. The global real estate market is valued at $228 trillion, the UK market alone being valued at around $6 trillion and will be HIP's initial rollout territory. HIP is creating a new asset class and secondary market by fractionally trading debt and equity in real time, a world first. Our initial focus will be residential. Over time, we will target the commercial, buy-to-let, refinancing, bridging loans and mezzanine financing sectors and will work our way across these sectors to provide a multitude of services. With HIP, first-time buyers will be able to purchase the percentage of the home they can afford, as opposed to the whole asset. Existing homeowners can now realize equity as cash without moving, all in real time. Buy-to-let landlords can offset their portfolio and the returns that the portfolio gives to other people, enabling them to release cash 
and maintain ownership. So, as you apply the core principles of our technology to different verticals, you get different results. You solve different problems. It's a huge industry. Potentially, we can create significant change in the trading of debt and equity globally. We're owner-driven and will provide a new level of financial freedom to the way property owners operate. Welcome to HIP. So, so, imagine buying a house, not needing a bank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty interesting stuff. You know, um, so this is the type of stuff we're exploring and we're looking at. And of course, you know, we're just a residential real estate broker, right? So you can see why, you know, we're, you know, we're garnering a lot of attention when it comes to this, right? Obviously, because we're looking at new ways of financing, um, and providing value for our clients, our consumers, our needs, and whatever it might be, right? Because things are changing. Uh, what other impacts will we see on the real estate market as crypto gains momentum and popularity? Growing market of people who want to transact in crypto. We want to facilitate that. You know, we're a national brand. Uh, we're a national brand and we have a massive database of buyers and leading, like a massive data. How big is our database? It's huge. Yeah, yeah 150,000 people in our database. These are real people that are looking to transact in real estate. Um, some of them are international buyers, right? So we do have inquiries from overseas. Uh, we've seen some from uh, China recently. Um, you know, and we're facilitating deals in, in on the West Coast and on the East Coast and whatnot uh, in terms of our international buyers. So we see that. And the question does come up, do you take Bitcoin? Do you take cryptocurrency? What do most brokerages, what's the answer? Most people don't know how to answer that question, right? So, um, and truth be told, you know, we're looking for input uh, from the community, figure out a way to do this more efficiently. We're getting there. We, we now accept Bitcoin. We do. So if you want to make a deposit on a house, you want to purchase one, uh, we can we can facilitate that. Not us personally, but you know who we've partnered with. We can do that. Um, what are we doing now with our marketing? This is our buyer's guide. Uh, it's a it's a book, uh, and in there we do have a section that talks about receiving Bitcoin payments. This is a take on the uh, the visual that you've probably seen from Jan on how we how a bill becomes a law. No, it's how we take Bitcoin transfer transfer it to fiat currency and then buy a house. Um, Exciting stuff, but if anybody would like one of these buyers guides, uh, let us know. They're very, they're very slick looking, limited edition. Woo! Comes in box. Yeah, no I'm kidding. We we have them for all. We can have them out like candy. So let us know. Um, uh, what else are we doing? This is really cool. Um, this is really cool. This got a lot of attention. So we said we're trying to grow with the GPG family. We're a relatively new brokerage, young brokerage, but we're making a lot of waves. And we said uh, for every client you refer us. It does a deal with us before the end of the year, we'll give you $750 in Bitcoin. Right? So we'll do that. We'll give you $750 in Bitcoin. We'll put it right in your wallet and figure out how to do it. I think we all know how to do it after the last two days, right? Yeah. We all know how to send uh, Bitcoin around. Um, but we'll do that. We'll, we'll put $750 in your bank, your wallet. You're, I'm going to put it in your wallet if you send us a coin. Right? So we're going to do that. Well, if we um, send you 100. 100 clients? All day we would love to do that, brother. All right. If you got a hundred clients, we'll do that all day. Um, so let's see. So this this caused a little bit of a stir. I just want. Uh, this caused a little bit of a stir. Um, Chris, we were okay to do this. There's our regulator sitting there saying what we can, what we can say and what we can't say. But um, no, we were we were okay to do this. We we're okay to give away uh, Bitcoin to our clients that refer someone. This is the landing page, BitcoinRealEstate.ca, um, and we'll get uh, Nathan's going to talk about that in a minute. And of course, we were the first uh, real estate brokerage in Canada to announce a Bitcoin giveaway program. Ended up a few places. Um, so again, you know, uh, oh, hold on. So the, <laughs> well, okay, well, let's talk about that. So when you're causing a stir, <laughs> you're disrupting, 
you know, you get a lot of haters, a lot of naysayers and whatnot, and we love it, man. We love it. It, it kind of gets us going. Haters make more money. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go, man. Um, that's what it is. Uh, we're actually, you know, we're actually looking at what's the next thing, right? And we're exploring this uh, first real estate, uh, first real estate brokerage ICO. That's what we're looking at. Um, eventually, we want it to serve a real purpose and to be a value. That's what we're really looking at. So. How long it takes. I mean, this is something that, I mean, we're hooked, right? So we're into this. And uh, we want to get going with this. Um, that's it for our, our PowerPoint. We want to get to this panel because I think you're going to hear some really interesting stuff for the next few minutes. Um, Nathan, you want to come up here and, and talk a little bit about. Oh, okay, one more slide. We got one more slide. We got one more slide. We got one more slide. So this, oh, this, just... is, this is the, uh, yeah, bring the beat back. What, Beautiful. Slide? The next slide after this. Oh, we didn't put it. Oh, that was, uh, okay, so we're going to have to do this manually, guys. So we had that slide, but I think it's in the other computer. So so what we're trying to do, we're, we're really trying to bring value to the conference today. Um, and uh, you saw that we had that, that Bitcoin giveaway recently. We know that many of us here are trying to get started in digital currency and so on. So we're extending that Bitcoin giveaway um, to everyone here, of course. And everybody's been asking and exchanging business cards. And uh, we didn't bring any business cards because we want to try something really cool with you here. Um, so this is, this is what we're going to do. We want you all to have our contact information. And we want you to have the landing page so that we can pay you your free Bitcoin if you know when you confer real estate over the next year, whether it's, you know, mom, friend, whatever. We're going to get to the panel in a second here, but we're trying this for the very first time. So if you can pull out your phones for me. And this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get you our business card and get you the landing page to, the, to their free Bitcoin. Text to 587. Whoa, that's so fast. Morning, everybody. <laughs> Morning. 587-803. 3260. 587 803 3260. Text the word crypto. Hey. What? I sent you by the hearts. You sent hearts. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting love from the crowd. This is a community. Okay, so 587 803 and press send. We promise we're not going to spam you or call you or do absolutely anything. But this will this will get you our contact information. Um, we also, as we move forward with trying to get this ICO up and running, um, we really want to be able to uh, to reach out to the people that want to be reached out to. So that's going to be something entirely up to you. What's the number again? 587-803-3260. Did anybody get a response from that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, service here Dimitri got it. Yeah. Dimitri's uh, Wi-Fi provider is incredible. Uh, crypto. Crypto. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we got it. It's working. Fantastic. Uh, we're really excited about that because we've never done that before. Okay, you got it too. Beautiful. So we're we're gonna open it up to the panel now. Um, we're gonna sit down. Okay, we're gonna sit down. We're gonna ask a few questions and just explore the industry and the topic. It's it's exciting. I, I noticed when uh, when David said, "Who'd like to buy a house without a bank involved?" 
good lord, in Canada all of us tonight, right? It's unreal. Is that? Yeah, and someone with no cash. In fact, in, um, in California, uh, they have that currency listed as a payment option. So when we're inputting listings and so on, you can input the payment options that the seller's willing to accept. Here we do it in the comments. So we have to say seller willing to accept digital currency. Um, but we can do that in our marketing as well, but in terms of the database, we're not as advanced or progressive as the states yet. So, um, but it's happening. Yeah, selling, buying, all with digital currency. Mm -hmm. Hey guys. Hey. Uh, I'm, so I've got questions. I've got, I've got plenty of questions. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm gonna start off uh, with, uh, from a consumer perspective, um, what does something like this look like? Why, why is it any better or worse if it is worse? <laughs> I don't imagine it would be worse, but um, uh, so, so what's the rub? Why, why is this uh, a good direction for you guys to go other than just this disruptive? I'll try. Sorry, uh, Craig Brock from King Dr. Murdington this morning. Thank you, Craig. Uh, I'm here to answer some questions for grandma and grandpa over here who don't know enough about crypto yet. Um, myself, I don't know enough. Either, but, uh, I guess uh, to break that down into some uh, sort of smaller elements, more digestible elements, when we think about uh, buying and selling property for our client and doing our best for our clients to get them the best deals and that sort of thing, we break it down into three categories. We want to find them the best home possible for the best price possible with the least amount of hassle possible, make the transaction as smooth as possible. Uh, so when I think about it in those three elements, for the best home possible, I'm not sure there's necessarily a huge impact yet at this point, we're, we're just sort of on the cusp of this industry. When I think about best home possible, obviously that's constrained by people's budgets and where they need to be located, etc. cetera. Um, so best home possible is really providing the widest amount of homes that we possibly can to our clients. I don't think necessarily that there's uh, an incentive yet for people who are wanting to buy or sell crypto that's going to necessarily open up additional options for them. But certainly in the future, I think that will happen. There's no question about that. Uh, if you just look back a couple of months ago, Rick Hilton, Hilton family, right? They've made their fortune in real estate. Um, they were opening up the sale of a $40 million property of theirs for crypto. So these things are definitely on the cusp and they're getting you know, more and more popular. Um, I don't necessarily know we're there yet. Uh, in terms of best price, again, I'm not sure there's a huge impact yet at this point, just in the, uh, regards to if you're paying with crypto, are you gonna get a significant discount versus the traditional mortgage route? I'm not sure that's necessarily the case yet, but certainly in some of the ancillary costs uh, surrounding the closing of a real estate transaction, some of those functions can be performed by smart contracts or blockchain technology, et cetera. Um, removal of some of those middlemen will help to save people costs. So certainly there's some cost efficiencies there. And then in terms of least amount of hassle, when we talk about the tokenization of assets and what Dave alluded to, eventually when we have uh, the infrastructure built up to the point where it needs to be selling or buying any type of asset, whether it's a real world or a digital asset, a house, a car, or whatever, uh, will be as simple as sending an email. Uh, you'll have all of that information attached to a token. Uh, and that will uh, essentially be executed by a smart contract that sends dollars one way and the token the other way. You have to remember that um, the industry itself is somewhat archaic, right? So um, we're embracing <laughs> the new world of data and you know all of this stuff. And, and I think the majority of the industry is somewhat 
um, frightened by it because they don't understand it. They're a little bit scared about how that might impact the business. We're saying bring it on. We'll just be the ones that are there when it, it arrives. Yeah, right now the big benefit to consumers is um, obviously the way to get the most money for a property is to have the most interest in it. To have the most interest in it, it's to be open to as many forms of purchase as possible. You know, multiple offers happen when you get more than one person interested in the same product at the same time. Um, so by all means, let's bring in the buyers from Russia and China and so on, and let's bring them here. As a consumer, that increases the opportunity for you price-wise. Um, it's it's massive. Awesome. Now, I, I on the other side of that, how does this impact uh, the actual mortgage broker? Like, what what looks different for them? Um, that's not what we do. Uh, but, uh, no, sorry, the agent. Oh, okay. That we can answer. Yeah, the agency, I, I mean, the whole purpose of blockchain or the whole end result of blockchain is the elimination of intermediaries, right? And, you know, how many people, if they could, get the best price for their home without involving agents, who would do that? All of us, right? Right? And there's other intermediaries too, really, when you think about it. In, uh, in North America, we probably have the most anywhere. Every transaction has at least two realtors. It's got two lawyers. It's got a mortgage company on both sides. It's got um, the land titles office. It's seven people involved in one transaction. And it's because of a lack of trust between everybody. Right? And that's what blockchain hopefully in the future will, will alleviate because it eliminates that distrust because it's all it's blocked in. Craig? Uh, when I think about it, I sort of think about how the internet and internet technology changed real estate uh, and some of the things that happened uh, in the last 20 years. If you go back 20 years when we were sort of on the cusp of the first dot-com or dot-bomb, as some people call it, um, and some of the things that were being built up at the time that people thought might replace an agent's role, um, and that still may happen in the future. I don't discount that possibility at all. Um, but I think if you look at the way that the internet has transformed real estate, it's some of the uh, infrastructure and applications that have changed. So you have the base layer of the internet you've built up now, customer relationship management software tools that allow agents to interact with their clients, lead generation systems. Um, people do all of their shopping online, so you've got web-based services that have popped up to make those things easier for clients and things of that nature. Uh, so I think some of the changes to an agent's day-to-day -day operation are not necessarily going to be uh, taking away pieces of their job, but it's going to be adapting to a new ecosystem of these different applications uh, that solve different problems that the internet was able to solve. And certainly there will be pieces of the transaction that will be eaten, like we were talking about, some of the closing costs that will go away, some of those extra steps that will go away. Um, I don't necessarily think the human element of um, real estate will necessarily go away entirely. There's still a role for agents to play and a role for intermediaries to play. Um, but certainly as we develop the technology and develop these um, uh, pieces of infrastructure, will certainly change the way that agents interact with the other parts of the real estate transaction. Now, I, I kind of want to dive into some of the more the stuff near the end there. I, I sort of, light bulbs started going off. Um, you showed a, a video on, on how this could really change ownership of, of property. And 
from what I've seen with with my group of friends and and younger people that are kind of coming up, um, buying a home is less and less feasible for some people. It's you know, house prices in, in Calgary are insane. You go to Vancouver, it's unattainable for most people. Um, but when you talk about having multiple owners of a single piece of property and being able to do things with that, I start thinking of the way that uh, people are starting not to buy cars. Instead, they're doing things like, like ride sharing or they're doing things like car to go where, where your membership gets you part of that. So could that feasibly be done where you buy either a membership into a some sort of a residential where timeshare yeah it's essentially it's it's a timeshare except for multiple properties everywhere and and you can resell that asset and you just own that percentage of yeah, yeah let's um kind of speak to this a little bit more but yeah that's exactly what that video show was the liquidity or the um, fluctuation in debt and equity levels fractional ownership um, we took a car to go to the airport, right? It's just, like you said, less and less people are um, buying cars or owning things. You know, the generation before us is all about ownership. You have to have your piece of land, you have to have your house. It's not the way this uh, new generation thinks, right? Um, ownership is something different. You know, we talk about first-time home buyers, <coughs> fractional, allowing you to get, actually get in the mar uh, real estate market with, with a fraction, right? There's not much uh, with, when you have fractional ownership, there's not as much of a barrier to entry. Right, like right. people completely avoid homeowner ownership if they can't get that down payment. Well, now, if you could buy a portion of a home, then, yeah, yeah, that's a huge thing because I mean we're talking about Alberta, Toronto, Vancouver. Home ownership is just unachievable. There's no possibility of doing it. Um, and for those that, that do have homes, what about investing in a shopping center, shopping mall, or banker's hall? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to own a portion of Bankers Hall, right? And the idea behind blockchain is centralizing the real estate, and it's similar to the stock market, right? We trust the stock market. The stock market operates in real time. It operates globally. People can invest no matter where they are. Once the blockchain technology can be applied to real estate, we could do that. And you could trade pieces of real estate in real time, just like that video showed. You can own a piece of Bankers Hall, and maybe Maybe you're a first-time investor, maybe you're 16 years old, and you want to get into real estate. The banks are not going to lend you anything as a 16-year-old, even if you've got 10 grand cash. You're not in the market. But now, it, well, in the future, when this technology is applied, you could, as a young person, as of anybody, invest in real estate all over the world. Yeah, well, I guess if I can just add a couple of thoughts that quickly before we move on. Um, so I think there are two things that you mentioned that I would sort of want to touch on that I think they're a little different, but... Uh, the first is the affordability of homes, and I think that most people understand that that's sort of a functionality of the banking system that we are, you know, that we're working under today. The endless printing of free money, the lending of money to people who shouldn't necessarily be creditworthy, uh, things of that nature that have inflated these asset bubbles and that's made homes unaffordable in lots of different locations. So, uh, crypto solves that in a lot of ways. Right? I think that's why a lot of people are here in this room in the first place. So that's number one. Um, and I think as that catches on, certainly people will start to want to transact course with crypto and Bitcoin as opposed to inflationary fiat currencies and things of that nature. Um, so that will just drive the market itself. 
And then, um, I'm sorry, the other part of your... Uh, so, I guess we were kind of asset getting... Asset tokenization, yes. yes. So, asset tokenization, I mean, that's something that will be applied to real-world assets, digital assets. Um, fractional ownership is going to change the way that every industry uh, works, including the real estate industry, and absolutely it will lead to uh, new business models uh, where people are, uh, like you said, using uh, sort of, uh, I think there already uh, is a crypto company that sort of is doing an Airbnb on token. Mm -hmm. These things are going to become more and more common. Uh, they may or may not still be short term. You may see people using those for longer term rentals or to purchase or to group fund to purchase things of that nature for sure. Now, Sorry, you can go ahead. Yeah, just to, to break that down a little bit because we're talking about our industry, we know the terms really well, we're familiar with it, but but in terms of ownership in a tokenized state, the way that works on paper is you have a title, like a title to a home, mm -hmm. um, and that operating company, that LLC that owns that would be tokenized, right? So you, you wouldn't have to go to land titles and register your your one centimeter by one centimeter portion yeah, yeah. of West Edmonton Mall. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have to go do that. You would just own, because it's registered, the title is with the LLC company. Okay. You would then own a fraction of that LLC company. Okay. Similar to a condominium, you know, you own a portion of that building. Now, if we're getting into the idea of, of owning a, a portion of a piece of real estate, I mean, I live in Calgary, and if I own a piece of Bankers Hall, that's all well and good, I've been there. Now, is there a worry that uh, you could have properties that exist somewhere on the globe and because the market is so open and free, people start investing in properties that are either misrepresented or just flat out don't exist? And then what's the solution for fixing opportunities like that where somebody could game the system and, and have a, a property where, oh, this is beautiful, Beautiful, and it's actually dilapidated, a uh, dilapidated hellhole. Like, what? Where do we? How do we fix that? I think it was Craig was talking about this uh, the, again. The concept of uh, big data and whatnot, but the, uh, uh, the almost like a Carfax for for properties, right? Where you have like again blockchain technology, right? The ownership, title, what all that stuff. The data would have to be. Remember, you spoke to that. Yeah. So. I think eventually when you look at asset tokenization, there will be certain elements of a piece of real estate or a piece of property that will be attached to that token. So it can include things like the real property report, it could include um, any permits that have been pulled for renovations on the property. You'll have all the property, previous history, sales history, listing history, uh, all of these kinds of things that will come with that token. So we'll help to alleviate some of those concerns, but there's no question that there are going to be people out there looking to game the system. I think if you look at the 2,000 cryptocurrencies roughly that are in existence right now, I don't know how many of those we would consider non-scams, but it's a small portion, of course, right? So uh, as the industry develops, there's going to be other people looking to game the systems in, in other ways. So uh, I don't have a good answer for that as of yet, but certainly suffice to say that security and insurance companies and things will have a role to play. Well, we're watching what HIP's doing because they're essentially doing that right now. So they're, they're kind of blazing um, the trail there, you know. And that, that's why you're seeing it in developed lands first, obviously, because um, right now we have, we have land time. You're not going to be buying real estate in the Sudan probably this afternoon. Um, but the way you prove that, you know, like right now, the way that's proven 
is through a land titles registry. Right? That's how you know the property exists. And the bank's in Toronto, and they're finding that property here. Right? They have a home inspector. They have a land titles registry. But it's all centralized. So we have a land titles registry here in Calgary. They have another one in Red Deer. They're all over the place. But when the technology evolves, if there was like a singular United Nations land titles registry where properties were built, were registered, and they were submitted there, um, obviously the adopters would trust that source, just as we do now. And as, as that technology and that, that threshold and barrier to confirmation spreads through nations, they would be able to, to buy in, hopefully globally. Quick question on that. Yeah. Isn't it something scary, like they did in uh, when they took all the files from everyone in the medical, uh, every hospital, and they asked for Bitcoin in return, giving back the information? It's like stealing all the information from everyone, all the data that was taken from every houses in the market, and then boom, you want to buy a house? Give me, give me some Bitcoin. I'm going to give you back the information. It's become a little bit scary, isn't it? I I, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, so with that happened with the NHS in England, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so the issue there was not crypto related. It was that they did a piss poor job of securing their network and it was a honeypot. Um, so the issue there was actually centralization of data that wasn't um, secured by the individual, but rather secured by the National Health Service. So what ended up happening, if anybody's unfamiliar, is the National Health Service in England was running on, I think it was Windows XP. <laughs> and there was a massive bug that was revealed years ago, like years ago. And they were said, they were told, hey, you guys need to update all your systems to Windows 7 or beyond um, because you're gonna get screwed. Somebody's gonna hack your system. And they looked and said, and that's pretty expensive. And they didn't do it. And so then what does somebody do? They hacked the system, they shut everything down, they said, we will not release the data, we will not unencrypt it until you send us crypto. So the crypto was actually the secure part of that because they knew that the crypto, if they got sent it, which they did, um, that would be irreversible. Meanwhile, their shitty system that they had set up was, was the crap fest that resulted in them losing a whole bunch of money. So um, had it been, perhaps secured in a way where individual patients had control, uh, like public-private key of their information, that wouldn't have been an issue. And the same could be said of stuff like land titles and stuff like that. I believe if the individual is responsible for that, yes, it's a lot of responsibility, but so is owning a fucking house. <laughs> so I would say if an individual has responsibility over that, it's no longer a honeypot. Like you can, you can, try and target an individual person, but it's way more worth your while to target an entire system that is still centralized, that's holding everybody's data than an individual. So that's my point. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so, and that answers that question. <laughs> but, um, Do you guys need like a PR guy? 100%, 100%. I like that. The, uh, that, was, that was interesting. But yeah, you know, like truth be told, um, we still have to abide by the rules and regulations of um, the real estate world, right? So nothing gets done without uh, jumping through the proper hoops and identifying the buyer and sell, all that stuff still exists. But we're just talking about down the road future stuff. We, we see where this is going, right? 
you know, a lot of this, the ownership, right? You see where it's going. So um, we're just trying to learn too, man. Like that's, that's why we're all here. It's kind of uh, being engaged in the community and learning about it as well. You know, and uh, as it relates to our industry and our company, you know, what can we do to better service our agents and our clients first and foremost? That's what we want to do, man. Like, you know, that video talked about first time homebuyers, like the thought of ownership sometimes is, it's overwhelming, it's daunting, I could never afford that, but fractional ownership, yeah, now I got a piece of something. Pretty cool. I've got a, I've got a very real world question for you. I'm moving in the next year. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm here. Someone, I, just, someone just got $750. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, if I want to list and sell my home and then look for a new home, obviously it'll probably be difficult to find somebody selling their home in Calgary, but if I want to list mine uh, for, for Bitcoin, what does that then look like for me as a seller? This is a real question because I really am actually interested in doing this. We, we um, Craig, I'll let you take this because we want to do this exact thing. Um, and I'm telling you, brother, if we get you know uh, millions of eyes on that property, uh, demand may rise, right? Supply and demand. Um, so I was actually thinking of doing this with a property of mine. I've got a number of investment properties. Unfortunately, it's about a month too late for us to be able to actually put it up for Bitcoin. We didn't quite get the uh, uh, agreements in place with our service provider in time. But uh, I think, like we talked about earlier, certainly there's a trend in that direction. And I think it's going to become more and more popular as people try to jump onto the crypto wagon. The biggest asset they have, the biggest chunk of their wealth is tied up in their home. If they want to diversify some of that into a crypto asset, an excellent way to do so is to sell your home for a crypto for Bitcoin specifically. Uh, as it stands now, from a seller's perspective, you, it doesn't really change anything from your perspective. What what changes is uh, the company that markets the property. So you'd want to, you know, you'd want to list that property with the company <laughs> that understands what that's all about, and then market it properly, right? And then let let us take care of the rest of it, right? and then you can just be cashed out in Bitcoin, bro. The rest yeah. of it happens sort of on the back end, but the rest of it uh, is the same as selling a house for you know anything else. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can I put a QR code on my lawn? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> hell yes. We're, again, any new ideas, guys, throw them at us and when it comes to really. If you have an idea, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, what's your idea? If uh, your backyard is really massive, paint a QR code that can be seen. Oh my religious. god. Are you scared? Dude, that would make some news. So I could just mow my lawn. <laughs> I don't see anything else with that, do you? Like, Nathan? No, we actually, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. We're Let's gonna do it, man. And we're gonna go sort this out back there. We're okay. Ben out. sells for Bitcoin. Ben sells for Bitcoin. Bitcoin. We're really excited. I'll tell you what. Like, we're so excited about this for a million and one reasons. But like, right now, we're in the middle of a transaction. Uh, this is a true story. Right now, we have a pending transaction in Vancouver, roughly seven point four million dollars. Like, this is a gigantic property uh, monetarily, uh, one of the biggest in Canada, and the buyer is bringing the money from overseas. From Asia, uh, big problem because with fiat currency, with the laws that we have now, he's transferred the money, but he transferred it through the Bank of America, right? So this guy, want, we talk about the stock market, right? I want to buy that. I had to buy it. Oh, I bought it. I possess it. This guy wants to buy a home in real estate, and it's taking him months because he's transferred over roughly nine million dollars. It's at the Bank of America. Now it has to seize in there. It has to go through all the regulatory 
requirements, they have to go through the, the money laundering rules to make sure that this is all real money and so on. Then they, they have to transfer it to Canada, and then it has to go to the lawyers on this side and then the lawyers on that side. This transaction is literally four weeks in right now. And you've got this buyer and a seller that want to, to transact. That's a broken system. That's a broken system. And this is part of the technology that hopefully will fix that for people. And they can just do what they need to do with just a few intermediaries, not the dozens that are required right now for an, in an international purchase. Question about that. Isn't it uh, a two-sword, two-edge? With that, because if we have a big problem like that and we can solve it like with what you want guys want to do, it'd be awesome for both seller and buyer. It'd be incredible for them. What happened with the market right now? In if you look in the Vancouver, uh, so many rich people from Asia company, Middle East, they come here, they buy a shitload of stuff, they leave it empty. But all this might happen way more sooner way more often they're going to buy more stuff they can basically not control the market but move it the way they want it if that can be happening they're going to buy way much more stuff leave it empty isn't it is there a way to counter that or is there a way to prevent that you can do it now it just takes longer yeah exactly that's what you're talking about earlier you said lawyer you said people to, mm -hmm. to the transaction sit down and bring the money, it caused problem for them, but it caused the problem for them, but the system make money out of it, and that's people that live here. Like, you have lawyer and people that live here, that real estate agent, and people that live through that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people's gonna lose their job, there, there's many, I, I can see many problems, but there's a good solution at the same time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How are you gonna manage that? Yeah, one is, sorry. Uh, just real quick, um, you know, we've been in, I don't know how many hotels in the, in the, in the last week. They're empty, man, because Airbnb is an industry that... We both use Cardigo. This we week. use Cardigo, man. We, we uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like every, Amazon killed Sears just today. Change is happening. Change is inevitable, you know, the taxi industry, whatever it is. It, you know, you just have to make the decision to work with the change or be run over by it. Um, I, de I definitely see what you're saying uh, there, and I do think that's a very real, um, I suppose, threat to any real estate market is is capital flight from a, comp uh, a country um, moving there and just buying up real estate um, to get their money out of wherever it was before, um, but then that screws the real estate market because all of these homes, again, are sitting empty just as a, a vessel to hold capital. Um, and that means that your options for homes are, are, are all taken up uh, by people just trying to get their money out. Um, on the other hand, you could also look at it as um, you have potentially now people doing things like uh, going in on a property uh, in, in small amounts and then using that property to uh, then I'm talking about local people um, rent that out or Airbnb it out after the fact and making a profit on that as well. So I mean, you could have positives and negatives there. And I guess part of that is the regulation of what happens when crypto is used in in a real estate transaction. Is there vetting there? Yeah. So don't mistake, we're not the regulators. Like we facilitate the deal. 
right? So we make, if you want to sell a house, we'll make it as easy and as painful as possible for you. We facilitate the deal. We're not the regulators, we're not the government. We still have to abide by the laws of land, right? So whatever that is, if the, you know, the government already put measures in place to slow down hot markets, to slow down spending and whatever, the regulators and the governments are the ones that kind of control that, I guess. We just facilitate the deal, you know, negotiate it, get your top dollar. And that's what we do. That anyway, yeah. Anyways, guys, yeah. that's that's about it. Um, yeah. Is there any last-minute questions uh, that we can grab from anybody else? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just uh, straight up. You know, I'm doing the, the standard, typical. I'm going to sell my house. I call the broker, get some realtors. Uh, realtors have their whatever their fee is, depending on who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. uh, Fee-wise, cutting off middlemen. Where's my advantages? I love that question. Uh, when would you like to schedule an appointment? <laughs> yeah, 100%. We'll talk after because uh, that's more than just a, a 30 second answer. Uh, our value propositions, that's what we're very proud of. Uh, we have a phrase we use at the Greater Property Group that cost is only a factor in the absence of value. Right? Cost is only a factor in the absence of value. And unfortunately, you know, the real estate industry people question um, uh, the cost because they don't see the value in a real estate agent, right? Sometimes. Right? If, they, if you could get top dollar in the shortest amount of time, no hassle, without an agent, you would do that all day, wouldn't you? But what's more important? You know, the net in your pocket or the commission pay, it's obviously the net in your pocket. So if we can show you a way to get a higher net for your property, we'll do that. Yeah. So we, we have some unique selling propositions, some things that bring uh, buyers to the table over and above the average agent. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah. And, and just before we wrap up, um, you know, this is our this is our first uh, foray into this community, and uh, we just want to just express our appreciation for the warm welcome, um, and especially from Jan and his team. I think everybody in this room has been beneficiaries of their hospitality and of their energy. And uh, how about we give a round of applause for those guys? Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Thank you guys very much. Let's give these guys one more round of applause.
price would be higher or lower. Oh, uh, it would work with you in that side. So, just imagine that. Go ahead, for the new investment, you might have to be Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that's why it's kind of helpful for me to invest in one X amount of dollars. Is it better to go and buy Well, you know what? I'm just to, to be honest, I I I Yeah, so and that's kind of when I had my 
Yeah, like I said, I, 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 I like the brand. Uh, uh, yeah, just a smart. Yeah. Can we get you guys a uh, drink or something? Yeah, we should. Yeah.
10 minutes. Not at. And get ready. Check out your channel after too. Oh, awesome! Thanks. You yeah. just watch Dave Dash in the fucking Crypto Daily. He's pretty funny. Crypto Daily is fucking awesome. I'm actually I'm gonna start my own channel soon. Yeah. I don't know like wicked. technical stuff, but my thing is I'm actually just gonna go up to people on the streets and give yeah. them Bitcoin and just have a conversation with them and get people that have no idea about Bitcoin. Dude, that's crypto. what it's all about: is integrating other people into this environment. You know? Just like find someone say, hey, you know about Bitcoin? Say, hey, you got a phone? Just put here's 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin and like. Oh. Show them how to set it up and just yeah. be like, you know, spread your crypto sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's sort of that. I mean, also, like, <laughs> Crypto Daily, he integrates a lot of humor into his yeah, videos, you know, and I love that. I love that about him. But I do understand, like, there were some times where there were delays in, like, him producing videos, and, like, in my heart of hearts, I get it. I understand. Well, yeah. Because you like you have so much going on, you're getting business opportunities that are coming in through email, and um, on top of that, he, he yeah he had to set up his studio in his new house and all of that jazz. And dude, I get it. You have a lot of shit going on, and you still want to travel and do things and yeah. this and that. It's got a and never <laughs> yeah, and then never mind creating a video every day and integrating humor. And I see the editing that he does. It's it's a lot of time. His probably has some like for quality comment for the comedy his was the best and like for yeah just tech for technical stuff i like what nick has for, for david that he's pretty smart too yeah that was the, the guy that first got me into crypto and then i followed his advice when i first saw his video and it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Y
be able to get them all. I talked to Corey about that. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Like, we have four angles going at all times. Yeah, man, cool. That's the number for you. I don't think the... You think John Corey is very Because the easy is to say, oh, I'll keep it like that. I think it, I think it will. It has the, uh, the supply. That's going to really I think it, I think it will if they keep expanding the But the point that you made there is something I didn't So now I'm like, yeah, well, I'm still going to hold on to that. So the price right now is at the bottom. So if anyone that gets in now, pretty much at the bottom. Jim Coin is amazing. There is a reason why there was such a price jump. Right, because it offers um, value to basically anybody. If they want to set up a master node, click and go. That's that seems like a good thing to me. And yeah, I was looking huge. at the returns on masternodes.com. I'm like, this one, and another one I'm liking right now is BedX. BedX. It's for a betting site. It's okay. just a cheap mastermind. I'm really big. I think betting is the biggest thing for crypto. I just this morning put. Like almost a hundred dollars in bets on nolan.com and I was playing poker last night. So yeah. you want to talk about use case? There's a use case right there. Yeah, yeah, that's wicked. That's amazing. I think Gincoin long run, if they keep expanding their team, they'll do well. Yeah. And what was that one you mentioned earlier that you Infinite. Infinite. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's what's, it's what's the price for a master node there? I think it's like six hundred bucks. It's not bad. Nice. I know. Six hundred bucks. Hold it now and just see what happens when the, when the bulls run. You see, know? my thing. I don't know anything about computer stuff. I'm oh, not very okay. technical. Like when they start talking about setting up, I couldn't even set up a VPN to watch the American version of Netflix. Like watch oh my, my show. God. I couldn't even do that. I got you. So I just like you know, I took me forever just to learn how to secure my wallets and stuff. Yeah, so I was, yeah. Like, I went through a lot. I went through like months of just having anxiety about losing your crypto, reading about like hacks and stuff. So I had like backed up on papers, backed up on this, and I'm like, <laughs> see, that's what I was talking to Ken about, right? Because he, um, he's had enough coins to set up a master node for eight months now, but he's never done it because he just doesn't know how. Yeah. Right? And then the platforms don't offer the one-click setup, setup for it. And so, yeah. and, and so I told him, I said, like, here's my contact information. I'll set it up for you. And I said, so, like, um, what is your, like, what's your entire purpose? You know, like, what do you want to do? And he said, he wants the incentives from the master node to go directly to a charity wallet. And uh, so, basically, that charity wallet, it keeps getting incentive at, you know, on stuff. That's a fucking great idea. I'll help you do it. Let's make a video, right? Um, because that's what I do. Like like setting up uh, master nodes. So you go to in Calgary setting up master nodes. What's that? You operate in Calgary setting up master nodes. Uh, I'm I'm out of Winnipeg, yeah. but I do uh, like anybody that needs a master node set up at any, any given time. I can set it up for them, and I do it through Jam. Yeah, so Jan gives me their contact information, and then boom, I set up everything. I uh, show proof that it's all functioning, and then you literally receive incentives. Like, then, yeah, and you're on your way. And like I said, I've set up over 600 master nodes, like to date. Which like, been the most one, like uh, pivots? No. Um, I was maybe that pivot. I got, I sold all my pivots. I hear, I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. My daughter picked it up, because so I let my kids pick up, because this is a joke, I'll give them one inch to pick, and my daughter's like, I want this one too here. And yeah. then I, it did well for me, and then I sold it all. I mean, 
I didn't even know I had a math degree. That's how yeah. dumb I was at Cripple. I didn't even know what a math degree was. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my Ripple is still alive. that part right. I didn't know either at first, and that's when I researched everything and I came up with that. Like, I found out about math probably probably about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but there's so many like forks from Dash that have that functionality. Yeah, Z coin is another one. The list goes on. Um, Horizon is another one. Then Well, right now I'm just going to work. Oh, right over here, guys. So tell me how we're going to do it. Mine or something? Yeah, but I do know about that. I'm just working on financial work. Whether or not what I want to do with crypto. Yeah, I'm one of the right now. I'm always worried about what they let us do. I can do for trading, what I can do to generate some Absolutely. So it's a matter of learning to sting you. Yeah. And Benjamin has a nice idea that I'll be able to watch that. Well, that's what IoT, blockchain, are the future for a lot of things. Construction, we have BIM technology, building information models, plug in with blockchain and IoT, and when we put those together with robots and AI, they put together last production, and all of a sudden the whole thing looks like a whole different world. It's a whole different world of finance, and it changes so many things that the blockchain people that we were communicating with blows our mind because we can't even uh, think of all of the ramifications of what's coming. Yeah, we were talking about yesterday the guy was talking about um, fighters, and it was about yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could do the blockchain. That's right. Yeah, I so saw like, that. I said, oh my God. And he said, look at the billions that is being wasted. Yeah. But if people would know about blockchain, be able to look at their process and eliminate waste. Hello, everyone. Welcome back after lunch. Uh, we have a presentation up here from uh, Adam O'Brien. Uh, we actually have some history. I, uh, my first job uh, in crypto was through Adam. Um, uh, I, I approached him and I said, uh, hey, is there any way I can, can do anything for you? And, and he kind of reached out to me as well. So he's up in Edmonton. I was down here in Calgary. He had some ATMs. And he asked if I would, uh, you know, help help with just general maintenance and things like that and running around to ATMs. And he said he'd pay me in Bitcoin. And, you know, a couple years ago, that was a dream come true. So I started running around <laughs> all over the city for him, um, you know, doing errands, whatever needed to be done. And I was more than happy to do it. And not only that, but at the time, Bitcoin was like 
you know, maybe five, six hundred dollars, and and so like all those times you paid me, technically you paid me like ten times over. So so thanks, <laughs> so thanks for that, because um, I just kept it all. <laughs> but uh, uh, Adam's a great guy. He runs uh, Bitcoin ATMs, and you're getting into uh, some other stuff too. So I'm just gonna let you uh, do your thing and explain what you're doing, and um, yeah, enjoy everyone. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Uh, definitely overpaid you for those uh, all those crypto transactions that we did. I think we're looking for some back now. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, my name's Adam, and um, I'm here to kind of talk about obviously uh, Bitcoin ATMs. It's kind of where we are in this space. It's kind of where we started, um, and where we're continuing to go. Um, and uh, yeah, so kind of just to hop into it, kind of those three different um, ideas in relation to these machines in both how they impact the crypto space. Uh, their benefit, and then also kind of where they're going to end up, and where I see they're going. Uh, but before we talk about that, of course, um, you know, being the narcissist that is everyone in Bitcoin, I'll talk a bit about myself. Um, so I'm I'm Adam O'Brien, and I found Bitcoin a little bit over five years ago. Um, I can't really remember what I was kind of looking into or what I was looking for, uh, but I'm reading about the concept, and uh, kind of like all of you here today, uh, kind of fell on that rabbit hole pretty quickly. Uh, lots of sleepless nights, lots of articles to read. Lots of uh, misinformation about um, well, how it's ruining our world and uh, and the rest of it. Uh, at the time and, and, and still today, I was living in Edmonton. Some of you from Calgary might know it as City of Champions, maybe the uh, hockey Alberta or the Alberta's hockey capital. Uh, if you're not from Calgary, it's just a, a few hours north of here. Um, kind of running out of room there. Uh, eventually, after all that research and everything, I wanted to go and finally buy some Bitcoin and. Um, Kind of just wanted to experiment with it. Kind of wanted to buy one Bitcoin at the time. It was about a hundred bucks a coin. Then you want to come yeah. put me up here. There we go. Um, at the time, kind of about a hundred bucks a coin. And kind of thought, uh, great. So we got the hundred dollar bill and found a guy on Kijiji that was going to sell me a coin. So we kind of conversed a little bit, talked a little bit, um, and then we decided to meet uh, on White Avenue. And kind of White Avenue is kind of divided <laughs> into two different kind of places. Um, anything west. Of 99th Street is uh, is really sweet. It's kind of a hipster's paradise. Overpriced coffee, vegan ice cream, um, bong shops, Instagramable breakfast spots, maybe even uh, a Bitcoin Solutions office one day uh, coming. There you go. Is this clicker working? How does this clicker work? Uh, the, not the middle one, but the arrow. Okay, good. This is this is this is technology right here. This is tough to use. <laughs> um, so this is coming November first, which we're super excited about. And then east of 99th Street. Uh, is 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 stabby for lack of a better word. It's it's um it's it's kind of where you don't want to be in the uh, yeah, that's right. It's, that's that's what's pretty stabbed. Okay. Um. So that's that's where I went to go to buy my first Bitcoin. Was the uh, the stabby part of my app, the real drug dealer experience. Um. I got to put into a parking lot. Pardon me. Yeah, crack central. No, that, that works. I, I wouldn't joke about that. That's legit. <laughs> um, so I put it in the parking lot. It was a rundown convenience store. Uh, this guy opened up my passenger door, hopped in the car. Uh, I don't think he even said hello. I kind of gave him 100 bucks. Nice big brown $100 bill. Um, opened up my, my very, very glitchy blockchain app. Um, and at the time, it, like, that was the only app available uh, on the app store, which later got deleted, and, and it was a big mess. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the blockchain. It was just an app called Blockchain, which also confused me at the time. Uh, he scanned my QR code, said, "Okay, thanks a bunch." Hopped out and left, um, and that was it. My Bitcoin cherry was popped, and I and I, 
I, I, I don't know. I was, I was terrified. I, got, I thought I got scammed. I, uh, I, I didn't want to say anything. Didn't want to get stabbed with a used needle or, or whatever was going on out there. Um, but uh, that was it. So I left, went home, much to my joy, opened up the, the blockchain app and realized it, it said confirm. And that's all I said back in the day. It didn't say how many confirmations. It just said confirm, and, and you're all good. Um, so that was good. I read a bit about confirmations. Was happy with that. And, uh, and off you go. So as you guys can tell, not a huge technological background. Don't really, uh, I'm not a comp sci major or anything like that. Um, but like, uh, like all great things, kind of thought, uh, there must be a better way. And uh, so that's why I, I, I decided that I want to be that stabby person jumping in people's cars. And, and that's what we set out to do. Uh, now we evolved a little bit. Um, after putting that ad on Kijiji, that whole summer, the fall, the winter, everything kind of blew up. And my phone just didn't really stop ringing. And that's kind of what Bitcoin Solutions came about. Now, this is not going to be a 20-minute, uh, you know, Bitcoin Solutions promo, but it's important to kind of kind of give some validity about who we are in the space and how we work in the space uh, in order to let me talk up here for the next few minutes about uh, about Bitcoin ATM. So, <laughs> we've been around since 2013. Uh, we placed the first Bitcoin ATM in Alberta, and that was in Edmonton. Um, and then a few months later, in May, we placed the first Bitcoin ATM in Saskatchewan. Uh, and that was in May 2014. So 2014, early in mid 2014 is kind of when Alberta, Saskatchewan got their first ATMs. Um, and, uh, and that was us. Now we have over 20 across Alberta and Saskatchewan. And our mission statement has kind of always been to make Bitcoin accessible and understood. Um, obviously, the accessibility comes with the ATMs. And that's been, been crucial in, in, how we, in how we survive. And then understandability um, is basically, I think, necessary for the entire crypto space. I think. It's so important that people understand how to and, and when to use Bitcoin. Um, and that's kind of how we set out to, to work. Um, over the last five years, um, our user base has obviously grown exponentially. It's been, it's been wild to see all the, all the attractions to the space. And now we're seeing people using the word blockchain as this buzzword. I remember the Ice-T company that put blockchain in their, in their name and their stock price jumped like 180% or whatever it was. Um, so it's been it's been very exciting, uh, but most importantly, these, these these machines is kind of where our focus has been, um, and it's been pretty cool to see them expand over the last uh, few years, and we're excited to see kind of where they're going. Um, so first, this kind of leads to to kind of the impact of Bitcoin machines in the space. So this right here is a picture of a coffee house in Vancouver, BC, that hosted the first ever Bitcoin ATM uh, in the world, to my knowledge. Um, that was uh, that was all the rage. It was kind of <laughs> It was a place to be worldwide headlines. It, people didn't really know what Bitcoin was, but it was pretty cool you could buy it here, and, or here in Canada, in, in Vancouver. And uh, it, it kind of it took people by surprise, I think. It was kind of like Bitcoin had never really hit the mainstream, short of a few minor lapses, and, and, and then now here it was, and it was here in the physical, in the physical presence. Um, you know, five, days, or five years later, in, in this day and age, I think there's 50 Bitcoin ATMs just in Calgary alone. So it, it definitely, if you're new to the space, it, it's tough to kind of identify what that meant to somebody being in the space um, and just how cool that was with the buy it right in the flesh. Uh, at the time, Canada only had one exchange um, and the onboarding time was, was painful to say the least. I remember trying to sign up for my first CA Vertex account and uh, ah, three, four months of waiting time and, and no one calling you back or no one emailing support or whatever. Uh, but the good news was the banks hadn't really caught on to how awful Bitcoin is and, and, and they, they were really cracking down. So once you got your verification, see it vertex three, four months later, 
uh, you could then uh, send them money, 10 to 15 days, and voila, your account was funded, you could buy Bitcoin. Trader was pretty easy. Uh, the user interface wasn't extraordinary, but you were able to buy, you were able to, to sell Bitcoin. Um, and then over the course of the next, the next year or so, there were two more exchanges that kind of popped up, um, and, and that was it. So in 2014, middle of 2014, there was kind of three prominent exchanges in Canada that allowed you to buy and sell Bitcoin. Uh, the need for Bitcoin ATMs is virtually irrelevant. There was three, there was competition, there was no need to kind of identify a, a better way or, or whatever. Um, but then the banking um, systems kind of caught on and all of this was, was for naught. Um, funding your account became incredibly difficult. Any bank that caught on to using Bitcoin or crypto, both commercially or personally, um, when they were halting payments, they were, I've heard of some users claiming loss of funds and taking them months to get them back. I know I personally had a mortgage closed out with eight days notice. Um, it, it, I got a letter in the mail August long weekend that just said your mortgage is no longer valid. Uh, August 15th, you are, you're, you're good to go and we're charging you 6.5% interest until you figure out new funding. So <laughs> it was, it, it, it's, it's mind blowing. My lawyer just kind of looked at it and kind of said, I don't really know how they can do this. He said, but I'm 20 grand to walk into a courtroom and sue these guys. So I'm all for it, but, but good luck. And that's kind of where, where crypto users were at that time. So uh, I think even today things are getting a little bit better, obviously, with, uh, with certain banks. But I know that this came out just this week. Um, you know, Canada's leading uh, biggest, highest volume exchange, regardless of, of the, the controversies and conspiracies that, that surround that exchange. Um, they've kind of broken the silence about why it's been taking months uh, for anyone to get their money out. They've, they've had a major, one of the big five banks, um, close or, or freeze their, you know, a few tens of millions of dollars, which is significant. So, in a world where Bitcoin is no more legal than illegal, a world where our federal governments allow the banks to run monopolies, and uh, buying and selling Bitcoin, uh, it's still not very easy. So these poor, these poor girls here are wondering uh, what we're going to do. The world is probably over, Bitcoin dead, and um, it's, it's done. But, lucky we have Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, so the benefits to Bitcoin ATMs is kind of the meat and potatoes of, of why anyone would use an ATM. Um, Bitcoin ATMs, BTMs, BATMs, um, whatever term kind of you're using to describe them, they kind of make, make it easy to buy Bitcoin. At least that's what, that's what we set out to do um, with ours. So the accessibility to Bitcoin is, is absolutely crucial, but also the accessibility, the accessibility to use Bitcoin is, is crucial um, to the space. So these machines are programmed to take cash and then designed to follow the rules, uh, but also give the customer uh, the ability to legally purchase something with Canadian dollars. Um, no need to upload your private content online, no need to, to send in your Equifax data, which is terrifying in itself. Um, you're able to just go there with, with a mitt full of cash and buy Bitcoin, just like the good old days, just like how it should be. Um, and the key to these machines was speed and convenience. Three easy steps, you got your coins, um, and it is, it, it is, and I believe it still is today, the only way to guarantee that you get your coins instantly um, the second you send your, send your money or send your cash. But not all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, ATMs quite literally have their price. Um, quick Google search here, you can kind of see uh, the average transaction worldwide costs 8.93%. I'm proud to say a little bit lower than that. Um, but we do charge a fee. You know, brokers like myself, we, uh, we charge a, a convenience fee, kind of like when you're at the casino and, and you know that next poll is going to get you the jackpot, so you go to the ATM, you pay your four bucks to take your hundred out. Um, it's kind of that idea. It's a convenience fee. 
Um, sorry, so the, the, the main and primary drawback to, to an ATM is their price. Um, but typically the market, the market price of Bitcoin, the market up by a percentage, and then very similar to a gold broker or to a currency exchange broker, we then, then kind of just, just charge that markup. Um, the other kind of drawback to these ATMs is that you couldn't um, kind of do it with no pants on. And that was kind of my favorite thing to talk about when people were asking me about Bitcoin. People were kind of wondering why I got into Bitcoin. Um, I, would, <laughs> I would always say that I could, I could spend money without pants on, and that's, and that's my dream. Pants are, are kind of um, irrelevant in, this, in, in my world anyways. And, and anytime you can kind of do things from your house is, is kind of, is kind of where, where you should be. Um, either way, kind of on a more serious note, the, the direct comparison um, and drawback to an ATM versus an online exchange is the fact that you, um, you're not secure. And by not secure, I mean you are susceptible to your own um, lack of knowledge, I guess. So when you're using a Bitcoin machine, um, even though it is a third party, it is strictly a robot that is controlled or that is programmed to send cash or send Bitcoin wherever you scan or whichever QR code you scan. There's no, there's no waiting time. There's, there's no kind of safety measures in place. And, and because of that, we've seen uh, CRA scams and now more recently, Epcor scams, people calling... Uh, people calling our users and, and our poor customers and saying, uh, hey, you owe us money, go to the Bitcoin machine with a CRA or we're going to come arrest you right now. And, um, and people do. And that's, it, it's difficult for, for us to be put in that position simply because we do facilitate that transaction, not out of our own will to facilitate that transaction, but because we and our machines are programmed to facilitate buying Bitcoin. And these programmers or, or these scammers know that um, and they take advantage of people that way. So, you know, unfortunately, like most exchanges, you either have to have a two-factor on or you have to have some kind of waiting period um, in order to sell Bitcoin or, or in order to receive Bitcoin or to withdraw Bitcoin. And that allows some time for common sense to kind of stick in. And, and, and with our machines, because they're so damn easy to use and so fast and so convenient, there's none of that. So um, this kind of draws the, the, the question about why anyone would want to use a Bitcoin ATM. Um, you know, you gotta put pants on, you gotta, you gotta brush your teeth before you leave the house. Um, but there are some advantages. And, and exchanges, they're, they're very, very good um, if you're not in a rush for your coin. So exchanges can be kind of slow. Um, you're comfortable to the fact that banks might freeze your assets and shut your account down at any time. Um, now this, again, is getting better and I don't mean to, to ram my, my woes with the banks on your throat, but um, it, it still happens today. There, are, there have been users that I've talked to that their bank accounts strictly get, get, get closed because they saw Quadriga CX on their, on their banking statement um, or something like that, which is, is shocker. Um, you can also probably ask your, your early adopter friends what happened to all their funds in Mt. Gox. Um, you're, you're quite literally at the mercy of, of the exchange. Now, I'm going to bash the exchanges, just like I was bashing ATMs previously. Uh, exchanges oftentimes, they, they have a fiat deposit waiting time and crypto withdrawal wait times, which as I mentioned can be good, but um, in my opinion, if you know what you're doing, if you're in Bitcoin, then you should always be able to have your coins snap instantly. And I think instantly is kind of the key to this. So a transaction done at a machine can be done in 30 seconds or less. Now, obviously you have to drive there and park and stuff. That's not a true 30 seconds, but the actual, the actual communication with the machine is done uh, within 30 seconds or less, which is obviously significantly faster than any exchange. Um, we obviously heard, heard Mike talk about 
uh, from ATB yesterday, how innovative they are and, 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 how, and how ATB is, is doing great things in the blockchain space, and that's true, and I was hoping he'd be here today as I wasn't talking about him behind his back. Um, but ATB, they're, you know, they have certain crypto groups that allow people to bank there, but still even ATB today will not allow me to have a bank account at ATB. Uh, Mike and I, we've met plenty of times, uh, we've, we've ate dinner together, we, he has one of these beautiful shirts, um, I'm not sure if he wears it or not, but he should. Um, but he, ATB, his business does not allow my business to operate. They don't facilitate that. And, I, and call it what you will, we have a beautiful AML KYC policy, everything's all polished up, but it doesn't work. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's just the state of crypto banking today. Uh, you'll, you'll, I mean, personally, I think we're lucky to have Mike, and personally, I think we're lucky to have ATB kind of doing those things in this space. Um, but you'll notice another big five. You know, we're not seeing uh, this sponsored by by CBC or, or by, by CIBC or, or TD Canada Trust. That's because you know back to Quadriga's rules right now. We're not we're not in a crypto friendly banking space. And then lastly, this third point is arguably the most important point, but it can be confusing. Um, and that is that the Bitcoin itself is not as valuable as the keys that protect those coins. And that's kind of like what um, the real guy, what Jake was saying earlier. Um, this is this is kind of a common strip, and it, it, it kind of tries to, to use comedic release. So just kind of take a second to read that. Um, you can kind of see <laughs> this guy's. I don't think he's an early Bitcoin adopter by the Lambo um, after it went to the moon there. And and the salesman you can kind of see in the second in the second clip saying like, Hey man, you got a registered car? You need the keys? And this guy just walks away. Um, no, no, look at that. I own it. I got it. It's on paper. It's mine. It's all good. And it, you have to wonder, you know, what's, what is it worth? What is a Bitcoin worth if you don't own the keys, if they're, if they're not in your possession? Uh, after you buy Bitcoin on an exchange, and uh, an easy example here to use is, is Coinbase. Um, you have, you know, if, if you were to buy coins on Coinbase, you would, you would very truthfully say that, uh, that, that you own Bitcoin, that, you know, you're a rock star, and, and you got in, and you're going to go pick up your Lambo color. Um, but but you don't. Uh, Bitcoin is is still controlled and still owned by Coinbase. Um, you have to request Coinbase that they release the coins, and then and then once your request is is, is granted, then then you get those those coins released to you. So even though you bought Bitcoin, your money was sitting in Coinbase. Your money was then traded for Bitcoin. Uh, you don't actually have access to those coins unless the exchange tells you that you can withdraw them, and that's an issue. Um, in comparison to, to maybe a Bitcoin ATM, where you're able to, to simply cash in, Bitcoin out, snap instantly, 30 seconds or less. And that's kind of the benefit of, of a Bitcoin ATM over an exchange. Both, of course, have their, have their benefits and have their negatives. Um, but in this day and age, we, you absolutely cannot stress enough how important it is to hold your own keys. And, and, and holding Bitcoin, personally, is, is always the best way to do so. Uh, this here kind of shows the the ramp up of how of how Bitcoin ATMs have, have come into the market. So obviously, um, <laughs> pretty similar to a Bitcoin chart. If you think about it, Bitcoin ATMs are coming into the market at god speed, and it's it's exciting to see it. It makes it makes the future look very very exciting. Uh, with machines popping up all over the world, it allows us to kind of explore the countless possibilities. And I've kind of highlighted a few of those today, but. Um, you know, real-world applications already happening, like remittance are made better, and then you know we're gonna try and go through a scenario where ID verifications or or bill payments might be possible through one of these machines um, and in cash. So, 
we have our, our 2020 Bitcoin ATM uh, here, and, and, and we're going to talk kind of first about ID. So uh, first things to assume first, obviously these are scenarios, we have to assume that these machines are seen as legitimate, um, both in, in federally and in the banking system and, and, and what have you. Uh, but we also have to assume that uh, institutions like the banks are comfortable with the blockchain. And that's kind of, you know, I think that's where we're going, but it's important to assume that right now. Um, so if we take these two assumptions in the real world, then we could, uh, we could perform ID checks um, at a Bitcoin ATM. Now, if an application wasn't placed in an API, kind of like, uh, like, like Junior, which, which is kind of like an identifying application online, um, there's no reason that anyone couldn't go to any Bitcoin ATM in the world to do an ID check, whether it could be for a mortgage or uh, for any KYC kind of possibilities or, or, or whatever. Uh, the ATM can request a key given to the user by the institution looking to verify ID. Um, you know, maybe a voting agency, maybe a bank, and then the user would simply scan their key that given to them from the institution, uh, scan their ID, check done, they would get a request back to the institution saying, yep, yeah, this person is who they say they are, feel free to move forward with the, the transaction that you're going to perform. So this kind of application would be obviously good. Um, if you're traveling, you're looking to buy a house, you're, you're out of town, you, you don't, you just don't want to go to the bank. You just don't want to go sit in line and wait and have stale coffee and, and then have small talk about your dog that you just got for 20 minutes before doing a 30 second ID check. Um, this is possible. And then um, next kind of obvious one is bills payment or bill payments. And this is kind of using a scenario here is, is bills. Bills is a, a startup um, out of Eastern Canada, which is awesome. Um, and, and the guy running it, Francis, uh, his integration into ATMs is absolutely crucial. It's a way to pay your bill. Right now, you can't pay your EPCOR bill in cash. You can't pay a, a CRA bill, a, you know, a tax bill with, uh, with cash or Bitcoin, contrary to what the scammers mentioned earlier, I might want you to think. Uh, but this kind of offers you a way to, to offer uh, bill payments anywhere in the world. So the idea that you don't have to be in town or have a bank account to, to pay your bills is something exciting, something that a Bitcoin ATM could offer. Uh, simply, so what you'd use, obviously bills have to be set up on a screen. You'd have to kind of pre predetermine that account on the bill side of things, and then simply walk up to an ATM, the bills application, kind of moving through it, uh, selecting bills, and then selecting the account that you wanted to pay. Boom, 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 insert cash, and voila. On the back end, what happened is you would essentially just bought Bitcoin, sent the Bitcoin to Bills. Bills then sends that Bitcoin and pays your bill for you. So all that stuff kind of happens in the back end, but it would happen snap instantly at the Bitcoin ATM. Um, you know, and if you do that with any denomination too, which would be super exciting. So if you're traveling in Europe and you gotta pay your pay your your Epcor bill, or you gotta pay your Shaw bill, or your Telus bill, or, or your phone bill, um, then you'd be able to go to any Bitcoin ATM, pay in any denomination, and have that Bitcoin sent. It kind of just removes the borders and removes the the inability to do things that we that we have right now. Um, and then kind of more as an improvement, what I hinted at earlier would be something like remittance. So currently remittance in 2014 in the US was $102 million. Um, and that's obviously all through foreign workers, or for the majority part, through foreign workers. As foreign workers come here and they work their asses off to support their family back home, and then they go to Western Union and they get charged astronomical amounts of money to send their money back home on top of having to wait. So, you know, obviously we have to make a couple assumptions here that there's a giant network of these Bitcoin ATMs, which is growing every day and which is exciting. Um, but that, that would allow somebody essentially to 
go to these machines, open up Rubik's account, scan their partners or, or send their partner an, an, a notification, insert cash, and then on the other end, virtually instantly, that cash can be with, withdrawn in any country. Um, basically, again, kind of on the back end, it would be simply the machine sending Bitcoin from one machine to the other, which would be designated in the back end, uh, but these users would, would be able to to purchase Bitcoin or to purchase Bitcoin and send to their loved ones back home and then have that have that ability to send money back home again in their currency and obviously there's still fees but um, significantly less and less waiting time than, than what Western Union would be. So obviously just a couple of, of different you know ideas of what of what these ATMs can kind of come to. Obviously they're going to continue to grow and, ex and expand and evolve um, but these ATMs they really kind of make the, the space a lot easier to navigate and kind of um, you know looking for always looking for real world applications of, uh, of where they could be, and that's kind of everything for everyone for today. Um, we're going to do uh, some quick questions here. Maybe we'll get the the screen up. I've got questions for Adam. Um, given that we worked together um, and everything, so uh, yeah, I've got plenty to ask. So I don't know if there's anybody back there that can. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just have a question because you wrote my home country, Egypt. I never thought to come to a Bitcoin and Egypt to rank second. <laughs> Sorry. Guess the last graph. Can you guess the last graph? Oh, the graph, yeah. We call it non-North uh, American countries or like non-G8, G20 countries. So what is the commonality of this <coughs> process to make country like Egypt make 14 million two hundred fifty-one thousand dollars or whatever million it is, and second, and we cannot do this here. Like what, where are the barriers? Uh, I'm not sure I, I barriers. So barriers would be, I guess, uh, just having enough Bitcoin ATMs in Egypt. Um, the idea would be that it would be kind of a giant decentralized network of these Bitcoin machines that a user here in North America would be able to go to any Bitcoin ATM in, in North America, insert 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever, and then um, through a remittance program that would be written, would then go and give the end user a notification, which they would go to a different Bitcoin machine in Egypt, for example, uh, scan that, that user notification, and then and then offer, and then cash would kind of come out of the machine. Like, Egypt should cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other thing you, you can think about, because there are obviously countries where this, this kind of stuff is not as accessible, but that being said, you look uh, at a country like perhaps Venezuela. Well, there's, there's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. So there's people in the street that recognize the value of the currency uh, and what it can do above and beyond what their current currency is um, and there's a market for that yeah and and yeah and and the very uh, real uh, realization that people are coming to is the fact that in the countries that actually have less accessibility there's a premium they're willing to pay more for it because it's more difficult to get um, so technically in sending Bitcoin home to Egypt 
you're actually uh, getting more bang for your buck because if they know where to sell it, they're getting a massive premium over what you've already paid for it. Um, at one point in South Korea, what was, it, the, what was the premium? It was, it was double, double the price in South Korea at one point, just because it was so difficult to get. You see premiums in places like Venezuela, you see premiums in, in India as well, that was, I believe, the number one, uh, number one place. Greece, wherever there's financial friction and issues with the currency, there's huge premiums on Bitcoin because it's more, and it's actually not a premium on Bitcoin, it's, it's a, I guess, it's a lack of value with the currency in the country. So, we call it guaranteed saving or guaranteed equity. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I have a question for you. Is, is, sorry, is there anybody back there that can uh, lift the screen? If not, I'll just keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the chair is so nice, but <laughs> the light. Um, okay, so, so what are, Obviously, banking is a major pain point for you. Um, uh, dealing with cash is difficult. You know, I know this. You know this. We both worked in this kind of space for for a few years now, and I got to see it firsthand with you. And, and like, you know, it was always jumping through hoops trying to make it work. Um, do you think that the way the banks are handling this right now? What is their impact? Are they just slowing things down? Are they causing uh, more friction that? <laughs> are they causing more friction than is needed? And what will be the impact of of how they're handling this? Are are they just pushing people further away into the hands of those that have pioneered cryptocurrency, or can they actually slow this to the point where it stops? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I guess that's that's a, that's a great question. So the banks right now, what they're doing is they're they're essentially whenever they block a crypto transaction, it's either out of fear or out of out of knowing that this is in direct competition with them. So I think that it, you know they're obviously they're they're private entities and they can choose to do their business with with whoever they want. Um, maybe the real or different question we could ask is is why the governments have have allowed the banks to to own that monopoly. We we rely on and we absolutely need the bank. You cannot buy a house in paper cash. You cannot, even you can't buy a car in cash. I went to go try and buy a rally car in, in cash and it was like, we gotta give it to the cops for 10 days, we gotta get it all. It, it, it's 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 mind blowing how cashless our society is. And lots of it's for convenience and everyone says security, but I don't, I mean, it's no different. Like, we're all wearing thousands of dollars in clothing and, and our phones and everything. It's, it's got nothing to do with security. It's, it's just about, a culture shift. So the fact that governments have allowed the banks to kind of own that, and and that we're so reliant on the banks, but yet they can pick and choose who who they do business or who they, who they do business with is kind of a an issue. But in terms of the bank standpoint, I think the first bank to kind of catch on and to realize that that cash is not evil, and, and that while it's it, 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 it is used and it, it will always be used for for negative things. Um, it's not necessarily the end-all, be-all of, of, of all bad things. And I think that once once a bank kind of jumps aboard and says any and all crypto transactions are, are good to go, that it's, it's a no-brainer that there's a commercial flock there. But I think inevitably the banks kind of understand what's coming. And yeah, I think absolutely they're trying to slow things down. And I, I guess it's a little bit of, of blaming the medium for the crime. 
right? You're, you're saying that because this money can be used for something bad, the money is bad. It's akin to saying that the U.S. dollar is terrible because somebody was robbing a bank. Right, exactly. Now look at, look, look at the internet, which is and will always be the number one source for horrific child pornography and, 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 and human trafficking. And we're, all, we're, we're on the internet right now. We're doing it. You know, we're, we're, everybody uses the internet hundreds of millions of times every single day, but, but the internet is simply a, a medium to do those things, not, not the bad thing itself. So I think speaking to that point as well, it's, it's not... Yeah. And, and, and in a lot of these instances, um, you, just, you just see the most current uh, iteration of the technology get blamed. Like right now, um, something bad happens and perhaps the internet and electricity and, and uh, I don't know, the internal combustion engine and Bitcoin were utilized in the committing of that crime. Guess which one is going to be mentioned the most currently? Um, so I think it's a little bit of that. Um, I think maybe as other technologies come up, the, the, the fear and, and all of that will be shifted. Um, but to speak to some of that as far as, as crime goes, you were talking about the CRA scams. I've seen a lot of that in, in some of my work as well. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. I recognize that as a business, it's, it's essentially like somebody coming in to a, a precious metals dealer and buying a brick of gold and then going out onto the street and handing it to a stranger and then trying to go back into the gold dealer and get their money back because they were scammed. Um, the asset is already gone and that's, and that's part of the thing that people don't understand when they do these because it's a new technology. So what do you think uh, can be done and what kind of solutions can be done to help prevent things like these and, and what have you seen in your experience um, that you think might mitigate the risk of this kind of stuff happening more often. Yeah, totally. So that's that's been kind of a, a, a huge talking point in our company, and, and and how do we mitigate that, and how do we how do we eliminate that? So what we've done right now is um, there's little buttons on our machines um, that ask. So there's kind of like our machines are, are set up with just kind of two buttons. I want cash or I want Bitcoin. Um, and then underneath those, there's a big button that says, "Were you contacted by the CRA?" And you can click that. A warning comes up and says uh, it's a scam, blah blah blah, and the machine is disabled for one minute. Um, and the reason we've done that is because I've seen it on CCTV cams, um, and I've seen it, um, and I've heard accounts about it at the, you know, some of the court cases that we've had to we've had to deal with because of this. Um, we people will will sit there on the phone with these scammers, and the scammer will literally say, "Oh, did I say two thousand? I actually meant three thousand. So you better go get more money and and, and put it in." And it, it, it's it's I, I don't mean to be desensitive or insensitive here, but it's it's wildly frustrating that you think the CRA would would just snap it and ask for fifty percent more, or or that they would say if you don't pay today, you're going to jail tonight. Like the government does not move that fast. They they would say like yeah, we'll come get you in like five years and at your previous address. Like they 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 don't know the government can't work that fast. So. It's it's super frustrating from that standpoint, but you know it's you feel bad like like just just this past week we were in court. Um, the police seized the funds in December, so here we are, ten months later, finally going through the process after three different court dates and and costs and time, 
And I was heartbroken for this lady that that's, that sat there and, and she lost over $7,000. And, and I'm sitting there arguing why I deserve to get that money back. And she's sitting there arguing why she deserves to get money back. And, and you know, the point that you made of the asset is gone. It, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's the equivalent of walking into Best Buy or a gold shop, getting a TV, mailing that TV, and then going to Best Buy and saying, hey, I gave this to the wrong person, can I have my money back? Like, it, it doesn't work like that in the real world. Um, but because of the new technology, because they didn't actually see or physically hand anybody anything um, other than me or, the, or our machines, the cash, they just think that we're to blame. And it's been, like those CRA notices have been have been hindrance to the business, not because we're not taking illegitimate funds anymore, but because people look at that and think, oh, Bitcoin bad scam, I'm not going to use it. And it's been it's it's been tough. Yeah, yeah. It's um and part of the issue I think is is education. Uh, right now, people look at at uh, a Bitcoin ATM, and and a lot of these people, what they're doing is they're they're contacting individuals. They're saying, listen. Um, you owe back taxes, you're going to go to jail, or whatever, or, or a multitude of other things. They tend to prey on people that uh, may not be technologically savvy, maybe they're older, maybe they're new to Canada and they don't understand how taxes work, and they don't know how advanced or not advanced it is. It's not advanced, just a hint. Um, <laughs> but, but you don't know, maybe if you just moved here and somebody said, hey, you, you didn't pay enough taxes, you're going to jail immediately, Unless you pay us quickly, and the quickest way to do that is to go to a machine, scan this code we've given you, and insert cash. As a new person to the country, maybe that doesn't sound very outlandish. Or maybe as an older individual, maybe that doesn't sound outlandish. Or maybe you just get so scared um, by the threats that you're hearing, and they, they hone in on something that makes you vulnerable, makes you not think, and they don't give you that moment to step away from the phone, because they keep you on the phone. Um, you, you can get funneled into that, not realize what you're doing, and by the time all is said and done and you hang up the phone, it's already too late, it's already gone. So I think, I think the real solution here is, is educating people and making people realize, because if you went to that ATM and you knew that, hey, as soon as I press this button, what I've essentially done is given money uh, that is irreversible to an individual that I've only ever spoken to on the phone. As soon as people realize that's the equivalent of, of mailing a wad of cash to a P.O. box that you've never heard of, um, then it'll start to clue in. But people don't know how the technology works, yet, and so there's no comparison to what they're actually doing. I think, I think part of that too is, is as a society, we have been groomed to, to not be our own makers. What I mean by that is, is anything we do in this world um, is through a centralized body and can be reversed. If you screw up on, on an e-transfer, I mean, that's a bad example, but if you screw up on any, on any banking transaction, you can call the bank uh, you know, within a, a certain period of time and have them reverse that. If you book the wrong flight on the wrong day, you can call them and have them reverse that. But we've been, we've been trained to not believe things are, are, are done and that things are done are done. Um, but maybe with the exception of text messages, I know I've sent a few text messages. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come back. <laughs> the internet never dies. Um, but uh, you know, so when these people that aren't technologically savvy or that aren't in Canada, um, they've been groomed and they've been conditioned to to think, oh, well, that's fine. Somebody can look after this for me. I lost my, like, you know, even back to just Bitcoin as a whole. Like, I lost my password or I lost my private key. Can I? Can you give it back to me? It's like, well, no, I didn't give you that private key. You made it, and then if you don't have it, then it, it's it's gone. Like, you're 
your password, your keys, your seat, everything is so important to keep and there's no one person that should be able to give that back to you because if they can give it back to you, it means they can take it from you in the first place and that's against everything that is, that is Bitcoin. To, to, I guess to kind of wrap this, um, I want to turn back to the positives that are achieved here because obviously we've been talking about implications of, of you know, people that are, are victimized by not understanding the technology yet and we talk a lot about reversibility um, but a lot of that stuff comes at a cost and it may not be an immediately evident cost but because your bank can reverse a fraudulent transaction that comes at a general cost to everyone so when somebody gets scammed and somebody's able to take money out of your bank account and they get their hands on the actual cash the cash is irreversible that's been taken out and they're able to spend and buy goods and services with with your money well, when the bank refunds you your money, um, that, that in essence is diluting the rest of everybody else's money. That money is coming from somewhere and it's, it's actually being kind of created into existence and you're allowing these entities to create money that didn't exist before, whether it be a central bank just printing money or whether it be uh, a regular corporate bank uh, lending it into existence. Your reliance on these other entities gives them certain permissions. And the permissions that you've given them, you don't see those fees right away most of the time. You see it over time. You see it when you go to buy groceries and last year your car, your car was just a little bit more full with the same amount of money. So you, you get impacted. Uh, you, you get impacted when you go for dinner and you're like, oh wow, that's more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Um, and you see those things over time, and it's a gradual whittling away of your purchasing power and your financial sovereignty. And I think that's what you're trying to get at here, and that's what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, big time. I mean, Bitcoin, it obviously, kind of what sparked my interest about it was, was the fact that there's no central body that can or cannot tell you what to do. Um, you, you live by your own rules, and, and I think that that ultimate accessibility to Bitcoin is kind of where, where the world thrives and where this, this cryptocurrency can really take off. Um, the, the idea that, that we have full control over our finances means, you know, no reliance on 3 p.m. closures on Saturdays and, and, and not having to wait in lines or, you know, I don't know how many times I've tried to play, I don't know about you guys, but I can rack up a pretty good credit card bill and, and you, you, you literally cannot pay the bill off in one chunk. You have to do it over a 24 hour period. It's, it's like, how does that work that I can't take out more than $1,000 at an ATM or like at a, at a traditional cash ATM? Why, why is it that we have all these limits and all these, all these stops in our system? And it, it's, it's, they say it's for our protection, but I think personally it's just, it's just guarding us down. It's, it's, making, it's making us more reliant on them. So I guess I'll, I'll just closed out here. Um, I My name is Ben and I am an uncle, so to quote Uncle Ben, I would say that with great power comes great responsibility. So, yes! yes. <laughs> um, so, I will close it out here. Adam, thank you so much for being here. Um, let's give him a big round of applause for coming out. And uh, we'll have another presentation off shortly. Uh, grab a drink, grab a uh, sip of water, and we'll be right back.